0: I'm Lieutenant Joe Pangaro. I've been a cop for 27 years. I like to say I got a backstage pass to life. Well, guess what? I got some tickets for you. So come on in, pull up a chair, turn up that volume, and let's go. Chasing Justice is on. Hey everybody, and welcome aboard. Now, today I have my pages of Outrageous here, and it is just so full. I don't know if we're gonna be able to get to everything. There are some major issues going on in our country that we're gonna address. We're gonna talk cultural things. We're gonna talk political things. We're gonna talk a couple of different things today. So where do I wanna start? Well, let's start with uh, environmental, all right? So environmental, right now, California is uh, is suffering from another, uh, what do they call it, atmospheric river. This time it's in the southern part of the state. There's been, I think they said 600 landslides. Now, you hear that and you think half the world has fallen off. It could be a very small landslide in a neighborhood, block a road. It's interesting. I was in San Francisco area, Marin County, in January uh, of last year, and they had an atmospheric river going on for two weeks. Now, normally it's 70 to 75 degrees every single day in January. The weather is sunshiny. It's beautiful. Well, we were there for 14 days, of which 10 of them was absolutely an atmospheric river Uh, unbelievable Uh, rain day and night Uh, we were staying at an Airbnb and we were on a hill and there was a river coming down the street uh, off the tops we did see landslides all over the place small ones tiny ones like uh, the side of somebody's yard at the bottom of one of these uh, you know where the rain pours down the street and goes into the culvert well, I saw a guy's house, about five houses up from us. The whole front yard slid out into the road because the water happened to go underneath his yard and ruin the connection, I guess. And then we saw big ones where the side of, uh, of a hill came right down and covered, you know, two lanes of the road, making it imp- impassable. And then there were bigger ones uh, in other places. So I understand these atmospheric rivers. So is this, is, the question is, is this a climate change? kind of a thing? Or have we had atmospheric rivers forever? Well, I think the reality is we've had atmospheric rivers forever. Only now we got a 24 seven news channels and we have people who want to use the climate as a cudgel, as a weapon to change how we live our lives and what we do. So we see that the Biden administration tried to get rid of your stove. They wanna get rid of your stove. Next to your refrigerator. Then they want to get rid of your air conditioning. Then the heating system that you use, the fuel you use to heat your house. Now they're talking about more regulation on industry uh, as far for, for climate change, for climate change. And it's going to devastate these industries economically, which means it's going to devastate you economically. <clears throat> Excuse me. So when we talk about climate change, is there climate change? Of course there's climate change. If you go back uh, 10 or 12,000 years, uh, where I'm sitting in New Jersey, there was two miles of ice above my head because of the uh, freezing of the planet. Prior to that, there was no ice there. Go back 70,000 years, there was ice there. So these heating and cooling patterns of our planet are directly related to the sun, how the sun is behaving, the amount of light that gets to us, how much ice covers on it reflecting the sun away, or how much is getting down to the earth. Remember, there was this thing called uh, the, the, the Jurassic period, right, when most of the world was a steaming jungle, or at least it was very, very warm everywhere. And then that changed over time. So here, here's a couple of theories. Now, I'm not a scientist, right? I'm not specially trained in atmospheric conditions, but I'm also not stupid and I can look at trends and see things. So, first of all, for all those uh, people in their underwear in the basement taking uh, taking notes so that they can uh, debunk what Lieutenant Joe says, let me, let me talk about this, what I do know. Uh, pollution is bad. Pollution is very bad. We don't want to pollute our water. We have to drink our water. Our children drink our water. We don't want to pollute our air because you know what? We have to breathe it. Even me, I have to breathe the air. So we don't want to pollute our air. We don't want to pollute our rivers and streams, which contribute to our drinking water and the health of our nation and the health of our world. So let's get that clear first. Nobody wants that. Cleaning up the environment. Uh, When we look at the turn of the century up until the 60s or whatever, when we had companies that just, uh, they dumped their chemical waste into the local river because it was cheap. They just had to run a pipe and get rid of that stuff there was no place to store it they got rid of it that's what we did we learned from that lesson right we learned that that polluted places killed fish damaged environments so now we we don't do that anymore which is good now do we need regulation for that well in reality we do we need some regulation see i'm not i'm not one of these people that say there's no place for any of that we need some regulation because there are people who will cheat, who will take the shortcut. Did you ever drive through the woods, a beautiful woods, and you're walking along and you see 72 bags of roofing shingles that somebody dumped? Because they didn't either want to go to the dump or they didn't want to pay the $300 to dump the shingles, so they dump them in the woods. Next thing you know, it becomes a dumping ground. That's disgusting and horrible. Nobody should do that. And if we don't have law and law enforcement to make sure that people don't do negative things that hurt all of us, then there's a problem. So I'm not completely against regulation. What I'm against is using regulation as a weapon against all of us, which the Biden administration is doing. All of this uh, EPA, uh, the EPA is a regulatory body that is not elected. You have no say over it. And they make rules and regulations that cost individuals, businesses, communities, thousands and thousands, if not millions and millions of dollars based by a regulation brought up by the agency heads who decide, you know what, we're not going to have gas stoves anymore because that hurts climate change. So uh, this I think is, is absurd. None of these agencies should be able to make that kind of regulation. They should come up with what they think is important, then they would send it to Congress and then Congress, if it functioned like it should, which we all know our government is really in a bad spot, really broken. And they would vote on it and they would look on it, create a bill to decide how much regulation, what is too much and what is not enough to make sure our air is clear and our water is clear. Now, in the last how many years, 40 years, America has led the way for clean air and clean water. Places have been recovered. You know, there was a time when bald eagles were almost extinct in America, all other than in our national parks where they had lots of room to run. Well, here in New Jersey where I am at the Jersey shore, we have eagles all over the place because the regulations that were in place to protect them, help them. Uh, the chemicals that were loosed into the environment that hurt their eggs are gone. And now we have, we have American bald eagles again. It's really wonderful. We're seeing species uh, rejuvenated. So like I said, I'm not completely against this. It just can't be overkill and it can't be used as a weapon to hurt us. So the whole idea of climate change, Now that I've made my case there to understand that uh, we don't like pollution, pollution is bad, we should prevent pollution, we should prevent unethical businesses from dumping their chemicals and their, their garbage in our environment, ruining it for everybody. I'm very clear on that, that we need regulation and we need laws to protect us from that kind of behavior. Go into the next part of this. Can we change the environment of the planet by taking away your gas stove or telling you you have to drive an electric car or telling you you can't have that suv or the car has to get 80 miles a gallon and it has to be the size of a of a of a toy car right no it does not that's absurd the climate will change based on environmental factors right environmental factors like the sun we're seeing the sun the sun has cycles it goes through cycles we also Our planet travels around the sun. The sun travels around the galaxy. And as we go around the galaxy over the course of, uh, I think it's, I think they said it's 20 million years or 120 million years to go all the way around. In the course of that time, we go through different pockets of space that I'm sure probably have some effect on the sun, some effect on uh, the light we get, the heat and all that. So there are many factors. You driving an SUV, because it's comfortable and it gets your family where you need to go safely and carry all your stuff. That's not changing the world. Not when China, China is out there uh, pouring tons and tons and tons of chemicals and smoke into the air through their industry that's not regulated like ours. Uh, India and other countries that are uh, developing countries, they're allowed to pollute like crazy. But in America, they're gonna regulate you to death. Now, what's the purpose of the regulation? Is it to keep you healthy and keep the water clean and keep the air clean? Some of it is, but a lot of other stuff like we're seeing, uh, everything has to do with climate change. The military has to do with climate change. Uh, the kind of car you drive is the climate change. That is to control you. The purpose of that is to control you with a good message. This is how our friends on the left do it. They come up with a uh a good sounding thing they come up with a interesting thing they come up with something that sounds warm hearted or caring and they blanket everything in that and therefore if you go against that oh you're an evil cruel person you're mean you're whatever and it's really just to play you to use you like a uh, a useful idiot as the left is fond to say so climate change yeah do we have climate change yeah Are we going to have climate change? Yeah, we're always going to have climate change. What is the sun doing? Right? I remember in the 70s, I was a kid, and all they talked about was the coming uh, ice age. We were going to freeze over. And then over years, that turned to, you know, the heat wave, global warming. And then when their global warming kind of stopped, uh, now it's climate change. See, it's, it's just a tool, for the most part, to be used against all of us so they could control us. Now this is, now you ask yourself, this is what I always ask questions. Is controlling us with things that are not real for a political purpose, is that adding to your freedom or taking away from your freedom? Well, let's see. That'd be taking away from your freedom. So we have to understand what it is. We want clean air, we want clean water but we can't get played, and we are being played. All these uh, hypocrites that fly around the world in their giant jets, and they go to these big climate change things. And what's the climate change of agenda always? America needs to pay more money. America needs to give billions and trillions of dollars to this and that and the other thing. Enough already. Enough already. We need freedom. We need liberty. So climate change is a it's a, it's a a red herring. It's a, it's a way to control you. Keep that in mind. Pay attention. Listen to it but we all want clean air and water, right? So recently there was a conviction in a court and the person convicted was the mother of a school shooter, of a killer. Uh, Jennifer Crumbly, I believe is her name. Her son went to the school and he shot and killed some of his classmates. A horrific and horrible thing to do. And in the course of this investigation, there was some information that the parents were not fully in charge of their home, they knew their son had problems, they had let him have access to weapons, and he went and killed classmates. Now, as I remember the story, the parents were called to the school because of the problems the boy had. The boy was in the meeting with the principal, the principal released the boy, okay, you can go back to class now, and he talked to mom and dad. Mom and dad left, and the boy had a gun in his backpack, he produced the weapon and he killed some classmates. Now, mom and dad have both been charged with involuntary manslaughter. Now you say, is is this a good thing or a bad thing? Is this an overreaction to our fear of these active shooters in our schools and our businesses and churches and everywhere else? Or is this the appropriate response? What control do the parents have over that child? Well, looking at it at face value as someone who investigates these things, someone who teaches about these things, who prepares people, who does assessments. When I look at this situation, I say we have a couple of things here. Will it actually help prevent future ones? I don't know, it might. If other parents can learn anything from this situation, we have to understand fully what did these parents do. So we need a full accounting so for lessons learned. Did they know he had guns? Did he make threats? Were they aware of his threats? Did they find him to be mentally unstable and they still let him do it? Were they neglectful to the point that it caused the death of other children through their son's actions? This is a, this is a, a change. This is a paradigm change in what we do with these active shooters. So will this have a tendency then to Uh, extrapolate into other areas. What about a kid who uh, sexually assaults someone and they've done inappropriate things in school in the past and then they sexually assault somebody in school. Do we hold the parents accountable then? What about somebody who is um, in a gang and they go out and the gang kills five people and the parents knew the child was in a gang. They didn't stop the child from being in the gang. Do we now hold those parents accountable? You see, this is is a, a big question. Now, I'm not necessarily opposed to it, but I think it has to be individual in a case-by-case nature. There are a lot of parents, especially when it comes to teenagers, who may not know everything that their children are up to. And it's easy to say, well, then you ought to go check the rooms. You should make sure you know what they're doing. You do. I agree that a parent, active parenting, should be aware of what their child is into, what they're doing. I told you before, uh, my boys and my daughter, as they were growing up, I did look in their rooms, I did look through their drawers, I did look for things, uh, if they had anything that was bad or concerning, or if they were uh, upset about something I didn't know about. I needed to know. I was very active that way. But not everybody is, and not everybody can be. So this is where we start to draw that line. They can't be, they won't be uh, able to do something. And how far do we go to hold people accountable? Well, the mother's been convicted, and I think she can face up to 15 years in prison. And now the father will come up to trial next month. Now, there may be a plea deal where he takes the same deal as the mother to avoid the trial, or he may go to trial himself. There could be different fact patterns brought up uh, in the trial that wasn't in the mother's. So how this is going to happen, we don't know. But the question is, is this the next step? Is this an overreaction to trying to prevent these school shootings? I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm thinking my way through it. I'm trying to figure out, is this appropriate? Well, if the mother knew he made threats against the school and let him have guns, then I would say there's some culpability there. So how much control do parents have over their kids? What's our society telling us now? You should have control over your kids, but if your kid wants an abortion or wants to change their gender, you have no right to know about it or have any say in it. So isn't that... Isn't that a a contrast between the two things? You're supposed to have control, but you can't have control over certain things. So that's why this is in flux. That's why this conviction may or may not be upheld if they appeal it. It may or may not be a trend. But what other things do children do that are negative to society that we don't hold the parents accountable? How about these young people who go out and um, they're part of these flash mobs that show up and rob Uh, 50 people sitting in a park, or they go smashing into a store and steal everything in the place. Do we hold those parents accountable too? If your child decides to do something illegal, out of your purview, are you responsible for that? And this is a conversation that this conviction has now brought to the fore, and it's something everyone really needs to think about. Because do you have control over your children when they leave the house? Think about yourself when you were a teenager right? I had a loving mother and a loving father. My father passed away early, but my mother was very loving. And me and my brother were, we were good guys. We weren't bad guys. But did we test the boundaries of things? Did we experiment with things? Did we go out in the world and see what we could or couldn't do? Did we get ourselves into trouble once in a while? We did. Was that my mother's fault? Was I telling my mother at 16 when I was going out the door that, hey, me and my buddies are going to go do this and uh, this and that can happen? No. She was trusting that we would do the right thing, that we were good kids, we wouldn't get in trouble. Now, some of the kids I grew up with, they were bad guys. They did go out and commit burglaries. You know, hey man, look at this, look what I got. How'd you get that? Oh man, you know, these these people go to work every day and I know they're gone. So I went in their house and I stole this TV or I stole this stereo. I stole this whatever. Did the parents know that their kid was doing that? Were they suspecting that the kid was doing that? Well, I suppose if they went in the kid's bedroom and they saw a TV that they didn't buy for the kid, the kid doesn't have a job, or they found electronics that didn't belong to the kid, they might say, gee, little Bobby, little Mary, where'd you get that TV? And you find out they stole it. What should the parent do? You know, at that point, they know the kid is a burglar or a thief. Do they bring the child to the police? If they don't do it, are they then culpable for the next burglary? Because they know the kid is committing burglary. What about the parents of bullies? in school, what about the parents of a child who's a bully in school and picks on other kids? And to the point where the child, which we're seeing now with a um, quite regularity, is we're seeing young people who are bullied kill themselves. Do we find the kids who bullied that student to the point that they wanted to kill themselves? And do we hold the parents accountable, especially if the school has told them, your child is being a bully? Now, this is another area that I look at. Uh, I look at because not all active shooters are bullies or bullied. Some are actually the bullies. And there's a whole scope in between of, of who does the shooting and who doesn't. So do we look at those parents and say, well, you were told your kid is being bullied. And what do parents say? Oh, it's just a rite of passage. And then that child hurts themselves. Uh, they they assault themselves. Some kids try to kill themselves and don't make it. Some try to overdose and don't make it. They cut themselves and they don't make it. Do you then go back to those parents of the bully and say, well, this is an assault. This child was assaulted, even though they did it by their own hand It's a result of your child's behavior. And therefore, you are responsible for the assault. Lock them up and charge them. You see, the flow, the flow of things, we have to think out the flow. Where does it go? What decisions do we make and where do they go down the road? We don't do that a lot. Uh, I think uh, an example that's that's been talked about is all of these political bills, these funding bills for all these different things. You know, you have to pass the bill before you can read it. Well, there's all kinds of things in that bill that could have consequences that we don't look through all the way. And down the road, it seems like it's solving problem A, and it causes problem B, C, D, and E down the road. But we don't look at it. So that's the same thing this thing is doing with parents. How much do we allow parents to be in charge? How much do we allow parents to have uh, knowledge about their children's behavior? Do we say some things they can know about and some things they can't? Some things they're responsible and some things they're not. This is a strange place to be in as a society, but we find ourselves here clearly. So I wanted to talk about those parents. And I, I if they knew that this kid was dangerous and violent and they didn't do anything about it, then maybe I think you can make a case that they're they're responsible because they're responsible for the kid. If a kid goes out and smashes up the windows of uh, businesses on Main Street and those businesses all have suffered a financial loss, isn't that the responsibility of the parents of the kids who did that to pay for all those windows? I would think it would be. But what about the kid that wants to get a, get an abortion and doesn't tell the parent and then the kid goes to wherever and gets the abortion, has a complication and either has a permanent injury or dies as a result of it, do we then hold the school responsible for aggravated manslaughter? Because they knew the child was gonna do this, they knew they didn't tell the parent, and they allowed it to happen, or they uh, facilitated it, or whatever. Whether it's a school, a church group, or anybody that facilitates something without the parent's knowledge and permission, and something bad happens, do we hold them accountable? See, that's part of the problem we have with this society. We want it both ways. We want things to be the way we feel it should be and what we think is important, but in other things, no, we don't want that. So I think this is an important area for us to consider. I think we need to think about this because now that we have a a conviction, there could be convictions all over the place because we wanna hold somebody accountable. The children who were killed in that school, those parents are aggrieved and they want somebody held accountable. And that's where this is going to. So we have to decide as a society, what, what is our role and how far back do we go? If there's knowledge, then there maybe is some culpability. If there's no knowledge, how do we determine that? You know, I told you recently I saw a special um, on, it was, it was about one of the moms from the Columbine killers, uh, Derek Klebold, his mom. And she did this special, I don't know, four or five years ago, and she talked about, she had no idea when she saw the videos of uh, her son and uh, Harris, the other kid, that they had made about their violence and what they were gonna do, when they read their journals, when the parents read these journals, they had no idea that their kids were thinking about hurting other people and preparing to do this. Was that mother culpable if she had no knowledge? Right? So that's what I'm saying. It 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 might be unique to each situation. If the parent has knowledge and they don't take steps to protect people, um, then it's probably culpability. What about a husband and wife? And the husband is a raging alcoholic and he drives his car and he crashes it and he hurts a lot of people all the time. And he drinks every day and he's got three DWIs. And he tells his wife, I'm going to the liquor store. And she says, no, don't go. And he goes and gets in that car and on the way, he crashes and kills three people. Is that wife culpable? Because she had knowledge. He's a drunk. He can't drive. He was not supposed to drive. He's had accidents and he's on his way out the door with the car. What's her culpability? Should she have dialed 911 and said, hey, my husband is in a green uh, Mercury with plate ABC 123 and he's heading to Johnson's liquor store right now and he is intoxicated. Is that what she should do? And if she doesn't, is she culpable? So that's that's where this decision is very important because we're starting to see, and and, and I, I want to say this correctly, we're starting to see um, connective tissue between other people's behaviors and our responsibility in that. Now, this mother, like I said, uh, let's let's look at it both ways. If this mother knew the kid was violent, made threats, and had access to weapons, and did nothing you can make a case that you're talking life and death and she should have done something. If the mother had no knowledge of this kid's plans for whatever reason, even bad parenting, she doesn't pay attention, she's got her own life, she's trying to pay the bills, go to work, whatever she has to do, and doesn't realize this kid is upset that he's having these mental problems or whatever, just doesn't know. Is she then culpable then? And how are we gonna draw this line? How are we gonna ensure that the investigation is done properly? You know, one of the things I do is I teach police officers how to do quality, proper investigations, respecting everyone's rights, doing everything you would want to happen to a family member if they got involved with law enforcement. And it varies from police agency to police agency across the country. If you were, uh, if you were received an aggravated beating from somebody on the street for no reason in a robbery, and you were hospitalized, how the police in that town investigate that can make a difference between somebody being held accountable and nobody being held accountable of the case being messed up by improper investigation, evidence handling, whatever, certainly could happen. If you go to another city, it would be done perfectly. And again, to to draw a a connection to our active shooters incidents, we've all seen the uh, horrible mistakes made by law enforcement in the Uvalde school shooting. There were lots and lots of mistakes made by the leadership especially, but there were a lot of mistakes made in that case. Then we saw Parkland, there was a failure there. And then we saw Nashville, Tennessee at the Covenant school shooting, and we saw how the Covenant school shooting was handled by the Nashville police. Almost textbook perfect in a way to handle it. Even though we did lose people in that, the police did a perfect job. So from town to town to town to city to city, you're gonna get different results out of law enforcement. What do we do there if they don't properly investigate and we don't hold people properly accountable? I don't know, these are things for us to think about. The pages of Outrages are very, very big today. We'll be back in a minute with more.
1: You've all heard Dr. McCullough and others share over and over the value of keeping your sinuses cleansed. It's a smart move all year, but even more so when we're cooped up inside. It's not really open for debate any longer. Those that live smart and live well pay attention to nasal and oral hygiene. RX has just the tools for the job with our nasal and throat cleanse. Click the CofixRx banner on americaoutloud.shop to get 20% off your entire order. That's right, americaoutloud.shop. Use coupon code OUTLOUD. That's coupon code OUTLOUD for 20% off your entire order. Use CofixRx because it works. Cardiovascular disease is the leading cause of death and disability. Today's high stress on the go lifestyle makes it hard to stay heart healthy. Lifestyle changes like exercise and diet are critical, but you can also support your heart with concentrated nutrients. Healthy Cell created heart and vascular health to support three aspects of heart health, cholesterol, blood pressure, and triglycerides with CoQ10, vitamin K2, resveratrol, and soluble fiber. And Healthy Cell's not a pill, It's a patent-pending gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients. You would need to take 13 pills to get the same amount of nutrients in each gel pack. And these great-tasting gels come in a small packet. Tear off the top, shoot it down, or mix it in water. Get heart healthy. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD for 25% off. Lean. Pure with premium ingredients, Global Healing's Pure Plant Protein offers 20 grams of protein per scoop, and it's the perfect way to maintain and build lean muscle while indulging yourself. It combines enzymes and probiotics to maximize nutrient absorption, improving digestion, and your gut health. Available in vanilla and chocolate flavors, elevate your protein consumption while supporting your overall wellness with pure plant protein. Go to americaoutloud.shop and get 15% off using the code OUTLOUD. Global healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally. When God through his grace and mercy gave us free will, the will of the people was to live freely. To that end, we fight for the liberty of all at a time when global tyranny threatens us as never before in mankind's history. This vision is manifest at americaoutloud.news, a site for all who cherish free will and freedom. Now is our time, my fellow Americans. America Outlaw talk radio, liberty and justice for all.
0: All right, welcome back, everybody. All right, so in our first part of our little get together today, we did talk about uh, some climate change, which is, I don't know if that's cultural, that's, that's in the science realm, you know. Uh, and then we talked about active shooters and, and culpability and our society changing. Right now, I'd like to tell you about the Healthy Cell products. How would you like that for a segue? Not bad, right? Uh, Healthy Cell products, very quickly, they're on the network here they're excellent. I take the immune boost. There's also stuff for your REM sleep. If you're having trouble sleeping, try it. I know it works. I know people that took it that had horrible time sleeping and now they sleep well. Uh, And then they also have the uh, focus factor, which is going to help you think more clearly. You know, you ever walk into a room and you say, why am I in this room? You know, I I don't know. The focus factor can help you. So the healthy cell products, they're on the network here. Go take a look at them. Uh, I use them and that's why I tell you about them. All right. So my pages of outrageous here. Um, let's talk a, a cultural thing. Let's, a, let's talk cultural for a couple of minutes. So we have, we have seen in recent months, and I'm sure we're gonna see it in the future as it goes, we have seen the uh, American singer-songwriter Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift is an amazing young woman. How talented is she? She just keeps writing songs and writing song, hit songs. She performs amazingly. She has a crazy tour that's out there. A billion dollars made on the tour. Hundreds of thousands of fans flocking to her show. She is really a phenomenon of our time. And I am very appreciative of her talent. Now, her political points of view, um, I, I think they are incorrect. But, you know, they're hers. So she can have them. I don't care. I just don't think she's, um, she, I don't think she gets it let's just put it that way. So I found first thing funny before I get into the rest of what I want to say about this. I saw a meme the other day that says, you know, picture of Taylor Swift. And it says Taylor Swift uh, has made millions of dollars writing hit songs because she has terrible taste in men. And then there's a picture she, of Joe Biden. and She goes, and she has endorsed Joe Biden, which kind of follows that line, right? Another poor taste in, in people. She doesn't really get uh, when somebody's good or bad. But I thought that was funny. All right. So Here she is, she's this big giant superstar, and she hooks up with the most recent guy that she likes, and that's uh, you know Kelsey, the the football player, Travis Kelsey of the Kansas City Chiefs. And she goes to his games because she likes him. She gets to go to the booth. She hangs out with Mahomes' wife, and they, they they appear to have a good time. They're dancing and singing in the booth. It's a lot of fun. If you've ever been in a booth at a professional sports game, especially a football game, it is a lot of fun. And she likes this guy, so she goes to the games. Well, of course she's a she's a major mega star. We like Elvis in the booth, right? Of course, the cameras are going to look up there once in a while. So every time Kelsey catches a pass or scores a touchdown or gets tackled or whatever, they flip up to the booth to see what you know um, Taylor Swift is doing. And there's becoming this growing controversy here in our country that you know why is she there? What do we care? Why do the TV keep looking at her? Well, the reason TV keeps looking at her is that I, I saw a thing the other day, a statistic that millions of new um, viewers to the NFL have taken place because Taylor Swift is there. And that, of course, is good for the TV stations. That is good for the NFL. And you know what? Of all the things that are going on in the world, you have a young, beautiful, healthy couple who seem to be in love. And I think that's a... Okay, thing with all the mean, horrible, nasty stuff we got going on. So Kelsey does a pass. They look up at the booth. She's cheering for her boyfriend. I don't care. I could really care less, right? So, culturally, this is a big thing right now. Uh, not as a big controversy. She's got a concert in, in Japan. She has to try and fly to the next football game. Is she going to make it there? Who cares? She'll either make it or she won't. She has a private jet. You know, she'll get there. It's It's 14 hours from where she has to go. But culturally, Seeing people get themselves all bent out of shape over what happens here. for They they show her oh, what 10 times, 12 times during a game, cheering or whatever. It's because she's a megastar. It's like Elvis in the booth. That's what I'm saying. If Elvis was up there, you'd be looking. And if you liked Elvis, you wouldn't mind seeing Elvis. Hey, look, there's Elvis, right? And it's brought lots and lots of people to the game of football, more eyeballs. And I know that that's true. My daughter, who's a brilliant young woman and... She uh, she played sports in school, she did tennis, she did volleyball, she, you know, she liked sports, she was all good about it, but she never really had an interest in football, never. Now she's 24 years old and in the last season of football with Taylor Swift uh, hanging out with the Chiefs, she started watching football with her boyfriend. And now she asks questions about it. She likes the game. She's all excited on, on football day. You know, they, they have a good time. And she says, yeah, yeah you know, Taylor Swift, man. She's, I like seeing her. She's a great star. And I think it's really cool that she's at those games. She's an example of people who've been brought to the NFL for a positive thing in general uh, that now maybe she'll go to a game. Maybe she'll buy a ticket. Maybe she'll buy a jersey. You know, who knows? Maybe she'll just watch it on TV. But my point is that I think she's a good example of people uh, seeing, excuse me, seeing Taylor Swift there and enjoying that she's there and watching football. So that's a cultural thing. The next cultural thing I want to talk about is the, the royal family. The royal family are from the United Kingdom and Great Britain and Northern Ireland. Okay. I don't care one whit about the royal family that being said i don't care about their uh their inner workings i don't care about the intrigue in the castle they're not real anymore they're not real i mean they are lineaged to kings in the past who ruled the country that's true and i find that interesting okay but as far as you know prince harry and Meghan marco not talking to their father and and the father not talking to do i care no these people don't make any decisions that affect the world. They are ambassadors of goodwill for their country. And people like me who see, okay, I can see that, you know, uh, it's a big deal. England, uh, the United Kingdom was a big deal in the world for centuries, right? What was the saying? The uh, the sun never set on the British Empire, which was true. They had a, the world empire, they were everywhere. And in world history, it meant a lot about Britain's uh, experience, you know, our own revolution to get them out of here and create this country. We are interlocked with that history. And because we have uh, Prince Charles now, who's the king, and we have Prince, uh, Prince William, and we have Prince Harry and all these people, you know, to see the, the coronation of the king. I don't watch the hours and hours and hours of it but I'll watch a couple of minutes of it because you know what, that is history right in front of our face, even though they really don't have a lot of say. They're given tons of money, they're spoiled, they live in mansions, they don't know what your life is like, they go make speeches, they show up, now in in the United Kingdom, it is very powerful for them. They they feel great kinship to their king or their queen and, and their princes and all that. And I get that. You know, we don't have that in America, and we don't want that. We threw that out, right? We don't have that. So I do find it interesting. But do I care about their interpersonal relationships? Like you see people they spend hours and hours and hours looking at this. I don't care about it. Whether they get along or don't get along, it doesn't matter to me. But culturally, they're in our face every minute. Now, King Charles recently just announced that he has some kind of a cancer. And I think that's terrible for anybody to have a cancer. And I feel bad for him as a human being, Uh, even though he's on the other side of the planet, I'm never gonna talk to the man. I feel bad that he has cancer. You know, I, I hope anybody with cancer is cured. I hope people don't get cancer. Other than that, I have no connection to them. How about you? Are you? And I know there are people who are just royals fans. They want to see the royals. They will see the Princess Diana. She did good things, right? She tried to help the world. She used her her wealth and her fame to try and be good. That's great. That's fantastic. But other than that, I don't care. I don't care. All right. I'm not a. I'm not one of these people that is overwhelmed by fame, right? It's cool to meet famous people. I'm not going to tell you that's not. I've met some famous people, and it's really cool to meet famous people. But it's not something that I, I base my life on. And I feel better about myself because I met somebody famous or I think they're great. They're just people. I understand the whole gig with fame. You know, they did something that a lot of people wanted to look at, listen to, buy, or whatever. And suddenly they're a big deal because they got a lot of money and they have a lot of notoriety. And it's really cool when now you see that person. Oh, there they are right there. You know, that's interesting. But other than that, I, I'm not shocked by fame. You know, I've met these people and they're very nice. Uh, and, and it is what it is, right? Culturally, I find it interesting that we do have people who are overwhelmed by the royal family. They follow every, every detail. And Princess, Princess Dominica from Radha Bishwaga just decided to step down and her son's going to be the new... Oh my gosh, it's the end of the world. What do you have to do with these people in their lives? Nothing. They're spoiled, rich people that have nothing in common with you whatsoever. Would it be cool to be a royal? Yeah, probably. You know, one of the things you see them talking about now Prince Charles. What if he has to step down? What if he dies? What if he has to leave? And then, you know, uh, William's wife had some kind of surgery. So it's all on William's shoulders. The pressure, the pressure of the monarchy is on William's shoulders. What does he have to do? Go somewhere and wave, sit down at a dinner, make a toast? Oh, now he has to do that twice in a day instead of once in a day. What? Yeah, yeah Really? How about you don't you have to go to work every single day don't you have to meet a deadline don't you have to pay the bills that's pressure that's a lot of pressure take care of your kids make sure they do what they need right that's pressure oh my gosh i have to dress up and, and go in a limousine to another party where they're gonna fete me and they're gonna oh clap for me and i have to wave oh i have to do that twice oh my gosh it's a lot of pressure it's ridiculous it's ridiculous so that's cultural uh what else is culture let me let me look at my notes here when, oh How about this? Did you see this? Did you see this recently? Education has come into into focus after the pandemic, right? We were all watching our kids and their teachers interact and it created a a firestorm around education because parents were now listening and hearing what their children were being taught. And some parents didn't like some of that stuff. Some of it was um, not, Based on values that the families have, and what are they teaching these kids in this and that? And you saw this whole movement of parents' rights, which pretty funny. Uh, how the uh, Biden administration goes after people like that? You are a potential terrorist if you come up to a, a board meeting, and you want to know, are you teaching my kids uh, A, B, C, and D that I don't agree with? Oh, whoa, whoa! Let's target that person because you're not following the liberal line. You might be a terrorist. You might be a criminal maybe we need to come after you let's find out who you are what are you all about what what do you buy what do you listen to on the radio you listen to that america out loud why you must be one of those people who who believe in the rule of law and who believe in the constitution you are dangerous to the rest of us right culturally we've just seen the woke kindergarten the woke kindergarten now Do I think it's important to expose children to lots of different ideas and things? I do, I think it's extremely important that we teach children the truth about history and we teach children the truth about things that go on in the world and the differences in people so that they can understand the different cultures. I think that's very, very important. It is all age appropriate it's age appropriate. What you can teach kids in high school, which they can talk about and they can debate and they can have ideas about what was right, what was wrong, what was based on the times or what. I think that's all very, very good to help students think, right? Critical thinking. Let's think about this. What was this about? Whose purpose was it for, et cetera, et cetera, whatever the topic is. I think that's great. Middle school, These are young people who are starting to break away from mom and dad and starting to become the young adults that they will become later in high school, then college, then out in the world. Can we express ideas to them that are different? I think so. But I think it has to be with the approval of the parents. The school is not there to raise my child and determine what my child should know and how they should know it and how it should be expressed. And... The part that really I think bothers people the most is when whatever the topic is, is they are told the children there's a right and there's a wrong, and your parents might think the wrong thing, right? Your your group might think the wrong, here's the right thing. This is what you should think if you're a good person. That's what people don't want. That's what bothers people because you go against their, their, their own beliefs and how they want to raise their children, what they think is right. So I don't mind a discussion about any topic age-appropriate, but it has to meet the community standards. What do the parents want taught? So we see this conflict uh, growing in our country. And this woke kindergarten is another attempt by left-leaning school boards to indoctrinate people into what they think is the right way to think about things. And they have some very radical people coming in to tell these little ch- in kindergarten, right? I saw this video, uh, the news clip, and it was this woke kindergarten, and these little five-year-olds are dancing around the classroom, uh, holding signs that say, no Trump, no Trump, no Trump. Now these kids, do you think they have any idea who Donald Trump is, what Donald Trump stands for, what Joe Biden is, other than maybe the president, because they see his picture in the classroom, do you have any idea what the cultural fight going on in, in our nation is about? No. And the teacher has told them that Trump is bad. MAGA people are bad. This is all bad. And you shouldn't be a part of it. And these kids are dancing around. No, Trump. No, Trump. No, Trump. And they're going through other topics In with, uh, with um not two sides being expressed with one side is correct and you should believe this and the other side is wrong and if you believe that you're evil and you're bad and that is damaging because you're teaching that young child something that may or may not be right may or may not be true may or may not fit what the family believes and wants to do so let's turn the table on that and let's say you have a teacher in there talking about the rule of law and the good things that Donald Trump did and how he was very good for the country and the economy. Do you think that that would be allowed to stand? Do you think that the school board there would say, well, that's what that teacher wants to talk about. Uh, And what if they were stomping around going, Biden is bad, Biden is bad. And the teacher was leading that chant and the kids were making posters about Biden being bad or uh, negative, uh, negative commentary about other groups of people. Would that be allowed? That wouldn't be allowed for two seconds and that is the problem, right? So age appropriate. Kids at that age in kindergarten have no idea about many, many, many things. They are just being broken away from mom and dad. They are in a strange environment. They grow to trust the teacher and they believe the things the teacher tells them and it can be different than what the family believes. So what we should be teaching kids in kindergarten is how to be kind to each other, how to be nice to each other, how to interact with other people, how to get over being shy, how to think as a, as a little person, how to understand the world around you. What are the colors? What do they mean? What do numbers mean? How do we read and write? And how do we use our imaginations so we can see the world? How do we be positive and healthy? Those are the things we should be teaching kindergartners. Right? We shouldn't be teaching them all this other cultural stuff that they got no idea about, but you're giving them opinions about it. And then they will grow up thinking that as opposed to thinking for themselves. So like I said, when you get to middle school and you want to have a conversation about something that's in the news culturally, well, that's fine. I think that's okay because they're going to see it on the news. They're going to hear it. They all got phones. They all have, uh, you know, access to media. They're going to have ideas about it. They're all not going to be the same ideas. So it's okay to have an expression of ideas. I think that's okay. But the teacher can't rally for one side and put down the other side. If you present both sides of the case or you present present information and you let the child think about it, talk to their parents about it and try and work it out, I think that's good. And in high school, same thing. You want to have debates and kids start to have real strong opinions in high school about things. They start to develop who they are who they are in the world, what their place is, what they want to do and be, that's all a great time to have a discussion. So let's take a topic that would be very controversial and it's in the mind of these kids, it's on their its on their phones, they're watching TikToks about it, do this and that, and if a teacher were to say, well, listen, this is what's going on and here's the only way to really look at this if you're a good and decent person. If you look at it any other way, you're a hater, you're this, you're that, that's inappropriate. What the teacher could bring up is, listen, this has been in the news recently, this topic. Does anybody have any ideas of what they think about this topic? And you let all the students express their opinions. Well, I think it's perfectly good and I think it's great and I'm glad we're doing it. The kids, I don't think it's good. I think it's damaging. I think it's this, that, and the other thing. And then the teacher lead the discussion. Well, why do you think it's good? Now, here's all the things you said you think are good. Let's think about those down the road. How could that affect that person, their family, society in general, by going with that? And then let's look at the negative side. You think that's negative, same questions. Let's talk about that. Let's get some ideas that instead of the minute you say something that's against the, the orthodoxy of what the teacher believes is right. Well, you're a hater, Billy. Mary, you have to be silenced. Mary, you can't talk. Everybody tell Mary she's wrong, right? That's indoctrination, that's not teaching. So I'm not opposed to these topics that are in our culture that are causing so much uh, trouble being discussed. They should be discussed because they're real. They're out there. They're real. But it should be done educationally, not indoctrinally. And that is my thoughts on that. All right. Okay. So I'm going down the list here. I want to keep keep track of things. All right. So let's talk about law enforcement for a few minutes, right? Now, not, not the active shooter stuff, but recently in Florida, we saw something that we don't really hear about a lot. Now I spent my career in law enforcement and I did see this come up a few times, but it's very, very rare. And that is the use of a sniper, a law enforcement sniper to take out a bad guy or girl Uh, during a hostage crisis or during a robbery or some other thing. What we see on TV, it happens all the time. You know, there's always somebody popping around into somebody. Watch Dirty Harry. He kills seven people, legitimately, who were committing a robbery. And he kills the robbers. And then he uh, puts his gun away and uh, he walks off the scene. I'm going to get lunch. Now, in the real world, we all know, anybody who has any experience in law enforcement, no, that's not how that would work out. Uh, You immediately take your gun. They put you on restricted duty uh, and you are isolated from the rest of the department pretty much while they do a thorough and full investigation to determine if you did the right thing or not. You don't just get to holster your gun up and go get a hamburger uh, because, you know, these were bad guys and we took them out, you know, that's not how it works. But the use of a sniper is really very interesting. So in Florida, in Lee County, Florida, there's a guy, a career criminal uh, who went into a bank, I believe it was, went into a bank and wanted to rob the place, I guess. And he ended up taking hostages. And the cops show up. Kind of like Dog Day Afternoon. If you haven't seen that movie, go look it up. Al Pacino. It was a great movie. Dog Day Afternoon about a bank takeover. Him and Sal. Sal, hey, Sal. Right? If, if those who've seen the movie know what I'm talking about. Great movie. But this guy in Lee County, Florida, took over the bank. And he had hostages. And the police surround the place. And they're trying to negotiate with him. But he's getting more and more agitated. And they, do, they did have a sniper. In place, who was watching the action inside the bank, watching what the uh, robber was doing with the hostages? Now, all police officers are empowered to protect and serve. You see, so they protect and they serve. Not only do they get, um, uh, you know, turn on old lady uh, McGillicuddy's heat when it's off uh, to serve; they also protect, and we protect by the we can protect a third party ourselves a bad person and a third person uh, a victim we can protect that victim with various levels of force depending on what's happening in front of us right so police are trained to protect well the use of a sniper is really a tool it's a tool so this sniper is watching in the bank the sniper does not necessarily have free reign to uh to uh, go wet as they say uh, another uh, fire on the bad guy if you think you should fire on them That is a decision that is normally made by the command staff in the area. They will review what's going on and then they will give instructions to that sniper. Uh, A lot of times when these kind of things happen and I've been involved with them, where you will have a prosecutor or the district attorney, one of those attorneys on scene evaluating the situation to see if that level of force is justified, right? So this way, uh, you're not saying well, the cops just made a decision and then they have to decide if they're gonna prosecute the cop or this and any other thing. The prosecutor is right on scene, seeing what's happening and making that on scene determination of, is the use of force proper? So in this particular case, the robber, Uh, was in there with a large knife and a couple of victims, the sniper and the police are making observations into the building while they're trying to negotiate with the person to put the knife down and come on out. Whatever you thought you were going to do today, it didn't work out. Don't hurt other people. Drop your weapons. Come on out and surrender. And then you know what they would do? The police would handcuff them and take them away. And that would be the end of it, right? Because the person surrendered and came out. So they're watching this guy inside the bank, and at some point he grabs one of the hostages in a headlock and puts the knife near the person's throat. Now, I don't know about you, but a knife on your throat, dragged across your throat, I hate to be graphic, could cut your throat open and you would bleed out and die very, very quickly. So at that point, is that person in danger of severe bodily injury or death? The answer would clearly be yes. So therefore, when the guy was just running around in the bank, waving the knife at people, they didn't take a shot. When he grabbed this hostage and put him in a headlock and then put a knife to her throat, the police on scene made the determination that this guy very likely can kill that person either purposely or by accident, seriously injure them the call was made, we have to protect, remember protect and serve, we have to protect those people and a green light was given to the sniper. If you have a clear shot to take this person out, you should to stop the violent action, right? And that's what the sniper did. The sniper took a shot and killed the bad guy. Now that's a terrible, terrible thing for that bad guy and his family that he ended up dying because of, His decisions, let's be clear on that. These were all his decisions. He decided to carry a knife. He decided to go to the bank to rob it. He decided to take hostages. He decided to grab that person and put the knife to their throat. He made all those decisions. He could have made completely uh, different decisions. He could have got up in the morning and said, you know what, let me go look through the want ads. Let me go get a job, because I need some money. Let me go work and uh, earn a living so I can get health care and all that other stuff. Uh, let me go to the bank and open a bank account so I can put my pay in there and let it grow like everybody else. And then I can have a better life. He didn't make those decisions. He decided to go there with a weapon and steal because our society now tells people it's okay to steal. You could do what you need to do. So he went in there. He decided to take hostages, right? He decided to take hostages. Then he decided to put a knife to someone's throat and threaten their life. He made all those decisions the officers on scene and the sniper made the decision to protect the victims, which is what our law enforcement people do every single day. All right. So I found that that is in the, in the world of law enforcement. Uh, I guess you could connect that to the mother being convicted for her son's actions. But the world is a changing place, my friends. We are going through Lots of, I didn't even get to the political stuff yet, so I guess that's gonna be our next episode. We'll talk about you know Mayorkas and Haley and Trump and Biden and all these other people out there that wanna change our world for the good or the bad. And how do we stand in the middle of all that? So what I'd like to say is keep in mind that the decision you make every day can change your life and your family's life. Do the right thing, be kind, be a better person. And no matter what you do, remember, be a part of the solution, not a part of the problem. We'll talk to you down the road.